Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Science, exercise, nutrition, health, energy, passion. One year, no beer. This is the One Year No Beer Podcast, where you will find all the latest tips, tricks, and hacks for a way to live better. Welcome to another episode of the One Year No Beer Podcast. My name is Rory Fairbairns. Today I'm flying solo once again, um, but I'm extremely excited to announce today's guest. Today's guest is... Um, pretty special. (laughs) No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking because um, today it's just me. Today is uh, guest me, myself. Don't worry, I'm not going to be talking about me uh, much. I'm going to try a new... We are going to try a new format um, for the podcast occasionally, um, where we really just dive into some of the stuff that our members are going through inside our groups and, and inside our community, uh, with the hope that we can add huge value to you, whether you're trying to change your relationship with alcohol, or you're thinking about joining One Year No Beer, or whatever journey you're on, that we can add some extra spice to your life. And I'm just going to give you a quick updates about what's happening with OYMBHQ. So last week I mentioned that we'd raised 1.1 million uh, in five weeks, which is um, really, I mean, that that capital was committed back in August and we've been flat out since then. Um, The team has grown. We're about 16 people now full time, most of which are based in North Berwick. Um, And uh, we've been very focused on building and finding the right team. Of course, there's growing pains around that. Uh, community manager, new community manager uh, now in situ, Barbara Fitzsimmons, which is just, she's amazing, has her own alcohol-free journey um, and has a really great um, experience in in community management and supporting people online. Um, So very excited about her getting her teeth into um, improving the amount of content that we produce inside our groups, the kind of support we offer people, how we help people through the journey when they're struggling or when they're succeeding or, you know, all of those things. Uh, big roadmap of development when it comes to community management. Um, and, and, you know, the other elements we've been, as you know, we're rebuilding our whole technology platform that involves building an app, which um, we are underway with that process and have been since December, a long process of understanding deeply. And we did the pop-in session. Um, Our pop-in session with our members gave us some huge feedback um, on what people expect of the platform. So a lot of development on its way. And I keep mentioning this in my Facebook lives and things like that. Over the next three months, you're going to see huge changes from the members area, the website, um, our app, um, how we interact, 
um, what your journey looks like, uh, the products that we offer, so um, products and services that we offer. So really, we've got an end-to-end. It doesn't matter what's going on for you, that we have a solution for you and we can help you. That's the biggest thing. Um, it's an interesting journey, this changing your relationship with alcohol. It's, it's different for everybody. Everybody goes through different ups and downs and yo-yos. Everybody goes through different discoveries. Um, and it's those discoveries that we want to really help people flourish in, find their way, find their niche, find who they are, um, dig deep into into yourself, discover your authentic self, all of these cliches. <laughs> um, that is the journey that we're on here. You know, the tip of the iceberg is changing your relationship with alcohol. It's it's all the stuff that comes next that's so exciting to build a life that thrives. Well, um, so that brings me on to some of the things that I've seen going on inside our wonderful community. Um, I noticed over the last week or so a number of people talking about um, either personal loss, um, loss of somebody close to them, um, going through the process of grief, um, things like that. And grief is grief is a tough one. It really, really, really is. Um, I have experienced various amounts of grief in my life. Um, as, as a much younger age, I lost my best friend. Um, he actually died on my birthday, which was pretty tough. And um, if I think back, what my what my my experience was from that grief is really, you know, I continued on the destructive party lifestyle um, and uh, used those mechanisms as my way of of way of understanding my grief. And um, I think that's what's the norm. I think so many people deal with grief in that way. I think, you know, you go to a funeral and you find that people are drinking heavily. You know, an Irish wake <laughs> um, is probably taking it to a new level or can be, certainly. And then perhaps that actually creates the platform for somebody to go out and have a very negative relationship with alcohol. Uh, you know, you, I think you see this a lot, and maybe some of you listening right now will resonate with this, where actually there's been a fairly normal relationship with alcohol, normal in today's society, let's say. You know, maybe it's binging and things like that. And then along comes the severe loss um, right from that moment of the funeral and then ongoing into a much deeper relationship with alcohol. Uh, or dependency, or uh, drugs, whatever it is, escapism. Well, let's just break this down for a minute. Let's take take a minute to break it down. In its basic form, the alcohol, this drug use, you know, the world's most harmful drug. Tiny side note there. And I was having this discussion the other day. World's most harmful drug. Now, if I asked you the question... Would you rather your son or daughter or brother or sister was taking drugs or would you rather they were drinking? And the answer would probably be you would rather they were drinking. What? I wouldn't want my I wouldn't want that person taking drugs. But what if I told you that they were more likely to come under harm, serious illness, maybe even death from drinking alcohol than they are drugs? And, and this is what David Nutt has been saying. This is what the research is saying, is that alcohol is far more damaging both to the person who takes it and to the wider society around them than any other drug. 
Wow. It's quite a hard thing to, to take into consideration. A step to a side note there. I'm going to get back to the point. So in life, when we use a drug to shortcut our journey, and even as light as caffeine or anything like that, what we're doing is we're trying to find a shortcut to, to a path to something that we want. With caffeine, is it more em- energy? With um, alcohol, is it relief from stress and strains? Is it to quieten the noise in our heads? Um, the reality is the true way is finding relaxation, is dealing with emotion, dealing with trauma, experiencing them, meditating, um, all of those kind of things. So first of all, we're trying to shortcut to relief. However, alcohol is a well-known depressant. Um, and that means that awake, which is something which is already very depressing or suppressing or, you know, very difficult time for you to add alcohol into the mix can clearly spiral that moment. So this is one of the reasons why it's a, a time not to have it. Now, what is happening with grief? What is actually going on? Um, I'm no grief expert, um, so I caveat everything I say with the following, that I am no grief expert. But here's what I know from my own experiences and from you know helping many people with grief and alcohol, um, is that the reality is our body, our system, our, our minds are trying to express a very natural emotion, a natural phenomenon. Grief is a natural thing. It's loss. And when we try to avoid feeling our emotions, guess what? It comes back worse and more. Um, this can be said for any part of it, that bottling it up, that holding it, that not allowing it to be expressed is what it can cause. It, you know, effectively, it can, can make it become more like a poison where it seeps out in negative ways. Maybe your behavior Maybe your anger, your reaction, your shortness, your lack of clarity. All of those things can come from ignoring emotion. I do love saying this, but when I met the Dalai Lama, which is such a great phrase, and I will use it till the end of my days. um, When I met, hopefully it's not the only time, um, because I think he's an amazing human being. When I met the Dalai Lama, um, that was the one thing, or, or he said many things, but one of the main major things he said when I was standing up and I asked a question in front of thousands of people in a square in Pisa, um, and he said that the most important thing was to encourage our children to feel emotion. And ultimately, that's what we all want to do. We need to feel the emotion, feel it in its true form, raw emotion. Now, if you think about emotion as something that is, needs to be felt in order for it to go through its natural course, and you think of alcohol and drugs as something which delay that, then the question is, would you rather overcome your deep emotions quicker, or would you rather that they were hidden and you, know, you, you, you stored them up to come expressed in a much more aggressive way? I think in reality, we'd all like to just get it felt, get it felt. So that is what I think is the key part of loss and grief is to find a place both in yourself and in your outside environment 
that you can spend time feeling the emotion in its true form. There's a book, actually, um, which I stumbled upon. I wouldn't say, no, that's not true. I was recommended by a counsellor, um, something I've had my whole life as counselling, since six years old, and they just didn't know what to do with me. I had a choice. Well, my family had a choice, drugs or counselling. And my first counsellor, Mr. Hall, God bless him, um, had uh, had quite a challenge on his hands at a, talking to a six-year-old or listening to a six-year-old, which he was very good at. I will definitely give Mr. Hall that. Uh, but it was later when I engaged in counselling, probably around 17, 18 years old, and I was living in Edinburgh at the time. And um, my counsellor said, uh, put me onto a book called Focusing, Focusing by Eugene Gendlin. Um, I would highly recommend if you are uh, struggling to feel emotion, or you're listening to this podcast and thinking, wow, I really should get in touch with my emotions more, or I, I would love to know what it is to feel these emotions, or how do I go about digging in there, get this book. Um, there is actually a very simple process that you can follow with yourself and ask somebody else to follow in the book um, that allows you to dig into emotion. Now, Here's not what I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting that we all go run around and talk about all the miserable stuff in our life forever because there's elements of counselling for me which didn't work um, and maybe even, well, I'm not sure I could say didn't work. I would just say perhaps didn't work in the most efficient manner. Um, and I think there can be a tendency with some counselling practices just to spend too much time in that, in that negativity when what we need to do is move on. Now, the key thing about this book is that it's about sensing an emotion, feeling it properly, allowing it to be, and then encouraging to move on. And there's a process to follow with that, about feeling it and putting it into a shape and all sorts of stuff like this. And it is so powerful. It is so, so powerful. The second time this book came into my life, and I'd, I, you know, later, probably 24, something like that. And um, I picked up the book again and was reading it up on the Isle of Mull, back where I live. And a friend of mine came round. He was, he was in a bad place. He just didn't know what to do. And I said, you know, if you want to come round, I'm very happy to listen. So he sat and he started talking to me about the various elements. And, you know, career really wasn't working out for him. He was a chef. And, um, you know, he was probably being a little bit bullied by his senior who just wasn't treating him correctly. He was he was struggling in his relationship and didn't know how to move it forward. It was an early blossoming relationship, but felt that perhaps they were on different paths and didn't know whether to leave it entirely. Um, and he just felt stuck. He, he wasn't in. So I thought, you know what, this book is really powerful. I'm just going to go through this process with you, this focusing book. So I went through the process, unbeknownst to him, um, because I asked him to close his eyes, I was literally following the book. And he was talked about, the what is this, and what is this? And we got down into this emotion, and like, what is the shape? And he started to describe the shape. And he was describing it's this thing, and it's piercing. And there wasn't anything about what I needed to tell him, or, you know, the guidance that I needed to give him, because ultimately, we know ourselves we are our own oracle when we listen. And most of the time, we are not listening. And so allowing him to get into that motion and feel it. So he went away. He was like, wow, that was really something. And he messaged me 
about an, you know, a day or so later, he was like, I, you know, I've been down and done this. I've been picking chanterelles and I've changed the soup. I'm going to do the super duper, you know, blah, 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 blah. Huge, you know, shift, shift in mindset, shift in thinking, shift in direction. You know, a week later, he calls me up and he's like, you won't believe it. You know, I proposed to my girlfriend, you know, amazing things. I don't need to go into all of those, but a transformation from one conversation from learning a skill, which was really listening to somebody and steering them and guiding them, allowing them to feel emotion deeply, caused a major shift in his life. So this is a very long explanation behind something I think is very impactful. If you're going through loss, grief, if you're feeling this deep emotion, I would encourage you to find a safe space to feel it. And that may require a third party. Um, and uh, we work with better help. Um, so if you if you do want to engage with a counsellor, I would highly recommend something like BetterHelp. Um, these guys are phenomenal at what they're doing in counselling. It's very affordable. And um, if you shoot us an email, I think we've got a, uh, a promo code. It's something like BetterHelp forward slash one year no beer, something like that. But um, shoot us an email into info at one year no beer and my team can definitely help you there. Uh, and of course, then the other thing is the coaching side of things, which we're um, developing enormously and coaching is more you know allowing people to feel that emotion and giving them a very clear path to move forward it's all about building that path what is it that you want to achieve and then creating a path around it uh, and again um, we will be relaunching our coaching program officially shortly it is running now we do have a number of coaches so shoot an email to info at one year no beer if you are going through loss and grief and if you do feel particularly vulnerable and sensitive then I would really encourage you to reach out for support um, again reach out to info at one year no beer if we can help you dive into the um, members area inside our community and um, if you feel particularly vulnerable and worried then please do call the samaritans they are phenomenal at listening um, and you can call them in 116123 in the uk um, for other telephone numbers just shoot us an email info at one year no beer.com so that's my thoughts on loss and grief. I think you're amazing. I think you're all amazing. I think the journeys that you're going through are incredible. We've decided in our life to stop relying on a drug to help us get through life. We've decided to start living life really. We've decided to start listening to ourselves and listening to what's going on inside our heads and our body. The warning lights have been revealed again. And now you're taking and you're looking for that extra support and courage to really go and live an incredible life. One that doesn't need substances, um, doesn't need substances to exist or to build an incredible life that thrives. One other thing I wanted to talk about is moderation, because this comes up so often into our challenge, into our community. Um, so it's a debate, really, uh, and it comes from people or it comes from those who feel that moderation is impossible for them, of which I have the utmost respect. Please hear me out that if you feel that moderation is impossible for you, that you've potentially tried it before and things like that, then I totally respect that. Don't go out there and try it because what's the point? You know, the, the, the downside for you is much greater. Now, I don't actually like the word moderation, for me personally, because I don't moderate. I do choose to drink now and again. Ultimately, I feel free. And we talked about this last week in 
the podcast with Eric. I feel free. I'm free to choose when to drink or not to drink. That 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 is complete freedom to be in any moment and say yes or no or no thanks or I don't want to. To completely see the consequences for what it is and evaluate based on that. The consequences are that I'm going to be rubbish for three days. I, even if I have a sip or half a glass of wine, I'm not going to sleep as well. I'm not going to get the REM and therefore I'm going to be sluggish tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to live the mission. The mission is to transform the world's relationship with alcohol if I'm not performing at my best. I will add in here, it's okay not to perform at your best sometimes. <laughs> and that's why I choose to drink. It's okay for me not to have to be a million miles an hour. It's okay for me to not have to transform the world every day. <laughs> um, uh, however, I don't need alcohol to relax. So anyway, going around in circles as always. I love a bit of going around in circles. Here's what I think. Here's what I believe. Now, you know Andy doesn't drink. Andy never wants to drink again because he doesn't want to allow that to come back into his life. He doesn't want the risk. He doesn't want the fear that, um, or, or the destruction that alcohol could cause. And it could be a slippery slope. So it's just not worth the risk. He's building an incredible life for himself without alcohol. Where, so if that's you, then brilliant, absolutely stick with that. But when it comes to making the choice, yes, no, thank you, Ultimately, in the extreme end, I believe that anybody can have complete freedom from alcohol. I believe that anybody can have complete freedom from any substance or drug. I think it requires a lot of work, a lot of development. It may not require much for you at all. That depends on who you are. But potentially, it involves a lot of work. It involves time. It involves reprogramming that brain of yours. And it really revolves around your environment. If your environment is saturated and everybody around you drinks and your peers drink and your mentors drink and, and your bosses drink and all of those people constantly drink around you, then I think you're going to find it pretty tough because it's so easy to slip down the other hole. Whereas if you're the only person in your environment who treats alcohol like that, let's say that everybody in your environment drinks now and again or not at all. And you go to parties often and there's nobody drinking there or taking any drugs don't you think it would be easy for you to not drink? It would be. And so I think it's about environment. It's about doing the work on yourself. It's about unwinding these unconscious triggers. It's about dealing with trauma and your emotion and your reasons why. It's about learning about your triggers. It's about investing a lot of time, effort and energy in reprogramming who you are. And we know science tells us that all of that is possible. So I guess over the next five years... I want to create a very clear journey for anyone. I want to clear, uh, create a very clear pathway for no matter how much you're drinking, no matter how much you are um, uh, using a drug to shortcut your life, I want to create a clear pathway so that you can see a road to being healed, healed and better. Um, yeah, an interesting vision. We shall see. Um, so, uh, uh, one other thing I just want to drop in this week's shorter podcast, because it's just me and nobody wants to listen to me waffle for hours, surely, is we spent some time with one of the UK's leading, um, addiction charities. And, um, it was really, really humbling being in their presence. It was humbling because 
their job is extremely difficult, that they support uh, an unbelievable amount of people in this country. They change an insane amount of lives. They help people who are really, really in a very, very difficult situation. And um, I find that so inspiring and humbling. Uh, It was difficult not to get emotional at times while they were talking about the state of this country, the state of the world, um, and the currently losing battle we have against addiction in all areas, in, in, in all areas of addiction, from gambling to drugs, alcohol. Um, it's an epidemic, um, and it's worrying. And, and that was tough. And ultimately, there was parts where I could feel myself getting very angry, angry with the system, angry with what's going on about us falling blindly into this. Um, and how companies and and the and the way the system is created, and even governments are facilitating this almost by accident, and the help is just not getting there. Um, and I wonder how how we are going to make a big change to this. And this is very much uh, inside my brain and inside the team's brain um, of how we change the world's relationship with addictions which is um, definitely our, our ongoing mission. A lot of people might frown away from that word addictions. Don't feel addicted, but I'm sorry. Um, if you're unconsciously doing something, you can't stop it and you know it harms you, then that's technically an addiction. And so I think most of us are addicted to something, in, even in a small way. Yes, you CrossFit addictors out there. <laughs> um. This so you know, there's a lot of conversation about connection, about facilitating connection, and how connection can be the thing to help people with addictions. How do we help people feel more connected? And this is the heart of our mission. I wrote this down the other day about looking at our five and ten year goals, and I think this is really key, and I'm going to keep using this until somebody says it isn't. OYMB creates technology that facilitates connection through behavior change. Boom. I love that. I love it. We've got to get people together more. We've got to get more connection happening. Online, offline. This is the goal. One other thing I really want to add into here, and this is super duper important. We have invested, oh, Spartan races invested in One Year No Beer. We are heavily investing in the Spartan partnership. There are various ways you can get involved that are going to help you change your life. One, at every Spartan in the UK and soon to be some in the US, we are going to have a presence, a tent, an area and an experience. At the moment, that experience is an alcohol-free tasting. We're going to have various spirits and alcohol-free beers and lovely things like that. We're also going to have things to do and people to catch up with to create more connection. We are using the Spartan areas as our own way of getting people to connect in the real world that has fun, excitement, adrenaline, dopamine that isn't anywhere near a pub. That's our experience at Spartan Races. So have a look at the Spartan calendar. The next one is at the beginning of May in Kent and we are going to be there big styly and we would love you to come down. It's completely free to come down. Come down and hang out with some other OIMB members, chat catch up, talk, experience. Maybe one day you sign up to a Spartan. Maybe you never sign up to a Spartan. But what you do is you come and facilitate connection with people who are like you in the real world, going through the challenges you are in an amazing environment with us. 
we're going to be there. Jen Jen's going to be there on force. Lots of the team are going to be there. We've got a super cool new tent. I keep going on about this tent, don't I? I, I? I'm excited about the tent. Let's hope it works. So come and join us at the Spartans, right? Forget about, you know, if you're worried about doing a Spartan or all that kind of stuff, don't worry about that. You're there to meet other OAMB members. You're there to connect. You're there to really reinforce this change you've decided to make in your life and ultimately live a life better. That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the um, podcast with just me. What a guest, eh? And um, we're going to be doing more like this, uh, just bringing some stuff out from the community and helping people, um, whatever you're up to. Stay cool. Hopefully see you at Spartan soon. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the One Year No Beer podcast. For a full list of episodes and to join in the challenge yourself, head on over to oneyearnobeer.com. One year no dot com.